Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Sports Radio 550. We like to bring the smooth sounds for our smooth next guest. Our final guest of the afternoon on the Western Hotline is Greg Thompson of Cover One joining me. Greg, how are you, my friend? Doing great. It's a nice, beautiful Saturday here, ready to uh, talk a little football for the draft coming up. Yeah, it's not, it's not so beautiful here in Buffalo. Rainy, kind of crappy, but it's in the 60s, so we'll uh, we'll take what we can get. But yeah, we are... Um, I, my other guest today, Mike Tanier, was like, this just feels like the right weekend to have the draft. It's too bad we have to scrape through another week of the most recycled takes we're going to hear for the next, you know, 72 longer hours of just, you know, the same things we've heard for the last month, two months, three months now. Yeah, I won't lie. Uh, this time of year gets to me. I, I run out of. I ran out of patience a couple of days ago, and just no new actual information has None. come out. So everyone is just more tied in and, and staunch in their stances, and everyone knows exactly what's going to happen, who's not going to be there, at what spot, what position we're going to take and not take, and it makes me crazy. Yeah, speaking of absolutes in a in an industry that no one actually knows any of the absolutes is always a funny concept to me. But uh, that, that's what makes for great content, right? Yeah, yeah, it makes it all the more fun, all the more fun. So I wanted to start the conversation with you about DeAndre Hopkins because this has sort of been the dip your toe in the water. Uh, you know, the Bills are the favorite, and now they're not, and maybe are they the favorite again? And then Von Miller goes on, you know, Pat McAfee, and and you know does the thing that Von Miller does really well, which is makes great content and entertainment, which is why all of the big podcasts and TV shows want him on. Um, where do you stand as we get inch closer to the NFL draft about how the Bills should proceed with the idea that if they can add DeAndre Hopkins, I, I think it's hard to – it might be hard to determine or it might be hard to to argue – that he isn't end up doesn't end up being the best player that they could pull out of draft time. And with that said, like the these 170 pound 170 pound receivers that could be available for the Bills at 20 at 27, does it make sense if if the scenario is the Bills move back from 27 to 34 with Arizona and get DeAndre Hopkins and don't lose an asset and or they have to throw in a sixth or something, which is you know, whatever, and they still get the linebacker they want and the defensive tackle that they want and, and everything else that they want from this draft, but they also get DeAndre Hopkins. Doesn't that feel like maybe the best-case scenario walking out on Saturday afternoon? 100%. I think that it's almost impossible not to. And, of course, 
you can make the argument, sure, if we had a chance to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, that'd be great. I think he's gone in the top 12 picks. He may be a top 10 pick. Um, all the rest of the guys, I really like Zay Flowers. I, I, can, I can listen to an argument that even with the shift in 2023 value, that Zay Flowers is good enough that it's worth the long-term value over him. Anybody else, there's no argument. Even if it's two years of DeAndre Hopkins, it's still significantly better than what you could add from a value standpoint. So um, I think the, the values thrown around are all about equal. So whether you're talking about moving down from 27 to 34, which is valuing someone at about a mid-third-round pick, um, I've used kind of some of the other comps that are out there. You know, Stephon Gilmore went for a fifth-round pick. Uh, Houston had to give up $6 million to get the fifth and the sixth for Brent Cooks. Hopkins is a little better than that, but it's I think the value is in that range where Arizona is going to be incented to want to take something where they can get a third-round pick. So I've had it as like a 2023 fifth and then a conditional pick next year that based on games played and if he's still on the roster five days into next year, then they get a third-round pick. Otherwise, it could be lower. Um, And the reason you hear Buffalo thrown around as whether you want to say favorite or whatever it is is all relative. But there's a, a small list of teams going to be interested in doing the financial maneuvers to bring on a 31-year-old wide receiver at this point in the offseason. So I, at the hot end, that's six to eight teams, it's honestly closer to probably three or four. Buffalo is one of those. Um, I think you can make the argument they have the most urgency and the most desperation to want to make that one more move to do that. But even if you put them at a slight lead out of those four teams, we're probably talking, what, 30% for them, and then 25, 25, and 20 for the other teams. So maybe they're slightly ahead, but it's still a 70% chance that he doesn't come to Buffalo. So I think that some of the fans who are super dismissive of like, oh, this for sure isn't happening. Well, it could. I, I think that Michael Bidwell is a historically cheap owner, he knows this is going to be a disaster season in Arizona, and he's not paying DeAndre Hopkins $19.45 million in cash to play for a trash season. I believe highly he's going to be traded. Buffalo is one of those, whether you think it's three, whether you think it's six, a limited number of teams to trade for him. So, therefore, it's not crazy. But that also doesn't mean that Von Miller is right, that, oh, we're on the borderline of getting him. Just wait for Von this summer. He's going to be 100% certain that he plays game one. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> oh, he does sound very certain he's going to play game one. I would agree. I, I, I don't see him out there probably for the first four weeks of the year, and, and I think he's in, an, in a very limited third-down pass rush. And by the way, as he should be, um, really until the playoffs comes around where maybe he's asked to do a little bit more. But, yeah, no, like I, I, I'm with you 100% on everything, on everything you just said there. And like kind of considering, too, that that middle linebacker is the real need. I, you know, talking to Mike Tanier, I think he kind of, from the sounds of it, I, I didn't ask him this for certain, but the way that he was speaking about Trenton Simpson from Clemson kind of feels like he might be the most ideal fit for the Bills, just in terms of kind of the that all around athlete ran a four four, which is bananas for a linebacker and pairing him with Matt Milano he's not he is definitely not Tremaine Adams he doesn't have that length but maybe what he lacks in length he makes up for in speed and athleticism and do you want a guy that can you know potentially cover a slot a slot wide receiver in the NFL and if you're looking for that then that might be Trenton Simpson the question is 
does that make them even more vulnerable to teams running the football against them, which we know was a big thing that fans complained about over the last three or four years with, with Tremaine Edmonds because you know he wasn't the, the biggest guy in the middle of the field, and he struggled to, to shed blocks. And you're going to see the same issues, I think, with a guy like Trenton Simpson. So knowing that, thinking through that conversation, if the Bills do go linebacker 27 or their first pick, wherever that might be, uh, who do you think maybe is the best fit for that position, knowing what you know Sean McDermott likes about his linebackers at the Mike position? Sure, and I think that there are arguments in a vacuum of who the better long-term prospect is with those top three, and I'll even add a fourth guy, with Jack Campbell, Trenton Simpson, Drew Sanders, and Dan Henley. Um, I think you can make arguments. There are different things that different guys are better at. I don't think anyone can make a you know full argument that Jack Campbell isn't the easiest and cleanest plug-and-play of what the Bills scheme already does, what they ask their players to do, and what that middle linebacker role is. I think that's pretty strongly Jack Campbell. Now, if you're telling me that we're going to you know, now play 25% of the time is going to be dime with the third safety on the field with Taylor Rapp, and that we also have a bigger linebacker like A.J. Klein for goal line and short yardage and obvious rundowns, uh, or heck, maybe bail inspector, who knows, um, and that we're actually going to use them for pass coverage and more blitzing. And that, okay, now that means Drew Sanders is, is a better weapon. If it's we want more of the athleticism and we're okay that we might get punched in the mouth in the run game, well, then maybe it's Trent Simpson. Um, I believe that they are going to make some shifts. We're going to – Taylor Raft didn't sign here just to be a backup. I know that they pitched him on a package where he would play more often. Um, I believe that that's going to lean strongly to – the 6'5", 250-pound freak athlete uh, linebacker who matches the exact same idea of what we were looking for in Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, maybe if they trade down for him in the second round, he won't immediately have the expectations that he has to be the next Brian Urlacher or he has to be Luke Keekley or whatever everybody expected Tremaine Edmonds of. And maybe we'll actually be happy with a guy who's just pretty good. Um, but I think that's pretty clearly the best plug-and-play. If we're going to see more shifts in the scheme of what we do maybe they go another direction but again i'll believe that when i see it i think this is going to still remain dependent on that coverage from the linebackers and a very similar role to what we asked Jermaine Edmonds to do now let me ask you about what i think is ultimately turning into the maybe the most sneaky position the bills could address in the first round or at least early on, on day two in this draft which is defensive tackle um you know brandon bean mentioned knowing that he does not have a guy under contract next year at the defensive tackle position, and knowing how much he he really likes putting assets into that defensive line, I would imagine there's no way this team does not address defensive tackle with their first three picks. But could it be that they find themselves in a position to address it with 27? And if they do, you know who's maybe the the best fit for you? You know, I I, I like the kid from Michigan, Mozzie Smith, but you know the kid from Wisconsin had, who had himself quite the senior bowl, I think is kind of moving up some boards, especially as we get late in this uh, draft process. A hundred percent. I think that that is the sneakiest need. I think rightfully, you know, I've been part of the group talking, is it linebacker? Is it offensive tackle? Is it wide receiver? I think those are the most obvious needs. The sneakiest one and, and fourth for me is defensive tackle. And it's easy to look past that because in 2023, we have Ed Oliver, we have Daquan Jones, we have uh, Tim Settle, and we have Jordan Phillips. We have four, NFL caliber defensive tackles when none of them are under contract, like you referenced and like Brandon Bean talked about that has to put it on the radar. So I don't know if that means 
they think they're close to an extension with Oliver or they think they, they're going to want to bring Daquan Jones back, which I think they should, um, or that they'll deal with it next year. Those are all possible. You could do that and just go into next year knowing that you kind of have a hole and you need to extend two of those four guys and then you'll figure it out next year. Um, I do think when you look at that, whether it's keeping a new rookie linebacker clean, whether it's the what Matt Milano has done when he's kept clean, having size there, even for a freak athlete like Ed Oliver, we've seen how challenging it is when you're undersized. So give me somebody who's a big game-wrecking monster in that spot. I think Brian Breezy, uh, Breezy is, is an interesting one from Clemson. I've seen him go top 12, top 15 in some mocks and sometimes make it to 27. Mozzie Smith uh, didn't have the production people wanted in college, but he's a huge human. Keanu Benton was unblockable down at the senior bowl. Um, I think those are the kind of guys that I'd love to see where they have the ability to still penetrate as a three tech, but are all, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 300, 315, 330. You know, I want a big guy who can do that and isn't undersized. It can do both things, hold up at the line of attack, keep linebackers clean and push the pocket. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing that. Heck, I, I would be okay if they make more than one defensive line addition like that, but I want size. Love the idea of that as well. Greg Tom said a cover one. I think size is the key here, um, Greg, because listen, I mean, undersized has sort of been the MO of this interior defensive line since Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have gotten here. Um, and even with the guys with size, they've been more penetrators like a Jordan Phillips. They're not really guys that are that dominating to, you know, um, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I would like to have a guy that's a two-gapper, someone that you really feel can affect the game plan, but affect it in ways where you're not asking him to get five and a half sacks like you are at Oliver, because that's where at Oliver can have the impact. It's as the pass rusher. It's not as the guy that's going to be a two-gap defender. It's not going to be a guy that is going to control the line of scrimmage and demand double teams. In fact, when at Oliver's gotten double teamed, that's really where he struggled the most. And I think if you can find someone, Daquan Jones in this light has been maybe the most ideal player for this. But he's 32 years old, Greg. Even expecting him to have the same production he had last year, I think is, is going to ask for a little bit much. So with that, I, I'm with you on the size aspect of a defensive I think it has to be somebody in the 315s, 320s, 330s. Maybe you even go to a notorious uh, comrade and, and Sean McDermott best friend, Dave Aranda. He happens to have a you know, 6'4", 335, maybe 340-pound defensive tackle down there at Baylor, Siaki Ika. Um, he's a guy that I think would be an awesome kind of mentorship role with Daquan Jones. If you tell me that we have a guy like that and we could have one of Daquan Jones or Siaki Ika on the field every single play this year, uh, and maybe even next year the two of them just kind of shift who has what percentage as Daquan Jones ages, but we have one of those monsters on the field every day, every game, uh, every play, or in short yardage and rundowns, we have the two of them on the field. I'd love to have a player like that there. And, and unfortunately, the way that huge defensive tackles and one techs are valued nowadays, you can actually get those later. You can get those in the late third round and, and into day three where you might be able to add a guy like that. Um, I'd throw out a name there from Western Kentucky. Watch out for Broderick Martin. He's another guy who's another huge body that could be an interesting addition. Let me ask you two more things, two more position groups I want to ask you about, Greg. You talked about offensive line. I do think tackle is up there. You know, Are you of the mind that if they went guard or tackle early in this draft that, that both would be addressing some level of a need? They, they, 
they bring back Ike Butker, so they have some bodies there. They obviously bring in Connor McGavern, who's going to be a starting, probably left side guard, I would guess. And then maybe you're bumping Ryan, Ryan Bates over to the right side. Uh, with Bates in place and maybe the questions you have about Spencer Brown, what to you would make more sense, knowing that that doesn't necessarily mean the value on the board will consist with what the hole is or what they most need. But like, where would you say the best slam dunk opportunity for, is for them? Getting a, a, a top, maybe another starting caliber guard with some center flexibility? Or or is it finding a tackle um, that can really either... I, listen, though, I think if you're drafting a tackle with 27 or 59, it feels like he's playing day one. I, I think that's spot on. And, and I think that I'm open to the fact that there is still some ceiling left for Spencer Brown and that he could simply still be a starting right tackle. But I've also seen enough that I'm not ready to put every single egg in that basket. Now, if I thought that one of those top four tackles, you know, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, or Broderick Jones was going to make it to 27, I'd feel a lot better. But I think all four of them might be gone in the top 12 or 13 picks of the draft. So um, if I thought one of them was going to make it and you had a plug-and-play right tackle, I would feel way better about it. Uh, So in a vacuum, that's where my biggest opportunity to upgrade is because protecting Josh Allen is our most important uh, responsibility this season. So if I thought that it was going to be that path, I would go that route. But I think anybody else who's going to be there is also going to be kind of a project or kind of an athlete or a projection based on size like Dewan Jones or a tall, freaky athlete like Blake Freeland. We have one of those, so I'm okay with that. If we did hit on one, I could still find like 300 snaps for Spencer Brown being a combination of our Ty and Techie swing tackle, our Bobby Hart jumbo offensive lineman, our, you know, Lee Smith blocking tight end, maybe even a fun, you know, uh, Patrick Ricard blocking fullback like the ball, like the Ravens do. We could find a lot of snaps for him to still be on the field and, and not lose him completely. Um, I think it's most likely we had an interior guy who probably competes as a backup. I think they were pretty locked in with uh, McGovern and Bates as the starting guards, but a uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Michael Schmitz, uh, someone like a, you know, Joe Tipman, where they could compete at guard and then be the succession plan when Mitch Morris is ready to move on. I think that makes a lot of sense as well. Just give me big bodies, give me depth that if we see an injury, we don't crumble and have to have Josh running for his life. More big bodies on that offensive line is better. We could really use a Peter Skaronsky gas mask picture video to come out right during the draft, I think. Uh, I think that would, work, that would work very well for the Bills, yeah. Um, last thing I have to ask you, Greg, is just about the running back position. Where are you with where the room stands? Um, and, you know, do you believe that adding any kind of premium asset, and, and I guess a premium asset I would can, I would maybe conceive as, as first, second, or third round pick, um, makes any level of sense for this team based on where the room is right now? Because I, I really like the way this room is I think it's the most diverse they've had this backfield since McDermott and Bean have been here, meaning I think they actually have complementary playing styles where I didn't really think that the last couple of years. A hundred percent. I think you're spot on that. They have guys who fit their role. Damian Harris can be that short yardage goal line, four minute drill back. We've seen the versatility of James Cook. And I think there's more upside there to be able to be had. And I don't think that Naheem Hines came back without a commitment of, being a part of the offense in that pass catching back we saw in Indianapolis. So obviously they weren't able to fully utilize that last year coming in mid, uh, you know, mid season, but you know, utilizing those three and what each of their roles are, it fits perfectly as a modern NFL backfield. So um, they're also not going to go into camp without anyone else. So 
maybe it's the best available UDFA. Whoever doesn't get drafted, you bring them in, let them compete for camp, try to keep them in the practice squad. But I'll honestly be pretty surprised. You know, of course, if if Bijan Robinson falls to pick 27, that's an elite player. It, it's not great asset utilization, but he's an amazing football player. I'll get yeah. over it. Um, if Jameer Gibbs falls to the third round, sure, I'll figure it out. But I just don't see any scenario where the lineup of team needs, premium position value, you know, the way their draft board is going to be stacked, I will be shocked if the Bills draft a running back in any of those first four or five picks. Once you get to round six and beyond, you know, those are guys who are basically UDFAs for a roster like this. So, sure, maybe they pick somebody on day three, but I just don't see any premium investment coming to running back. Craig, uh, quickly, uh, plug the podcast. Uh, I know you've been, uh, and, and by the way, Nick's baby. Uh, but I, I wanted you to, to to plug the podcast a little bit about what you got going on. Uh, since you know you, you still do the you still do your podcast with uh, with, with with your partner Aaron Quinn, but you kind of got a side project and a, and a solo project going. Tell the folks what what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, having a lot of fun. Obviously, all the good stuff going on at Cover One. You can check us out there. Uh, search on YouTube for Cover One. But I've also launched the Greg Thompson Sports Show. Last night, I actually got thirty two different uh, content creators from around the NFL to each represent their team in a 32 GM live mock draft, all seven rounds, all, uh, you know, live picks and trades, everything that was going on there. And that's been a ton of fun. I've been able to talk baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, and all the things outside of just the Buffalo Bills, which, of course, I still love to do. But uh, come on over, check us out. You can find that on YouTube. Search for the Greg Thompson Sports Show or cover one, and we'll have everything you guys need. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time, as always. Enjoy your weekend with the kiddos, and uh, we'll talk again soon. I appreciate you guys. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.